Welcome aboard. Time to grab that board. Swim out into the sea of ideas and see if you can catch a wave. It's just starting to curl up over the horizon here in Southern California. We call it the sales pipeline. And the man who rides it each and every day from uh, morning till uh, dusk is Matt Hines. Well, thank you, everyone, for joining us for another episode of Sales Pipeline Radio. This is Matt Hines, your host, and I appreciate everyone joining us here in the quiet week between Christmas and New Year's as we are in true end-of-year fashion. We're going to spend some time today talking about annual budgeting, annual planning, and what goes into that. Uh, but first of all, thank you so much for joining us. I know we are uh, we are live today. Uh, this episode is being uh, played live on the Sales uh, Funnel Radio Network, so thank you very much for joining us live. Also, thank you very much uh, for those of you that are joining us through the podcast. If you found us on salespipelineradio.com or iTunes Store or Google Play or wherever fine podcasts are sold and available, thanks so much for joining us. We are featuring some of the best and brightest minds every week in the sales and marketing, B2B sales and marketing space. Today is no uh, different. Very excited to have with us TJ Waldorf. TJ, thanks so much for joining us. Hey, Matt. Thanks for having me on. So TJ is the uh, vice president of global marketing for do I pronounce it INAP? Got it. Yep. All right. Excellent. And uh, I think we specifically today wanted to talk a little bit about, I think, what I put in the title for this episode, the agony and the ecstasy of annual budgeting and planning. Um, we're, we're recording this uh, on the week before Christmas, TJ, and uh, I imagine everything is done, all budgeting, all planning. It's done. It's um, it's all put to bed. You're not going to have to look at it again for another year, right? That is uh, close to being right. <laughs> Tell me about, um, you know, without getting into the dirty details or sharing any state secrets, what when you think about annual planning and budgeting, what does that mean for you and your team? I mean, the, the biggest thing for me is it's really, uh, you know, if I was to sum it up in one word, it's about alignment, right? It's about getting everybody really on the same page of what you need to accomplish in the upcoming year. And then uh, really deciding where to allocate resources. Um, that's people, that's dollars, that's time and energy. Um, and it's really, it, it really is all about alignment from, uh, from the top down to the folks that are um, you know, in hand-to-hand combat, so to speak, in the field every day with customers. And when you think about your team, like the people that you need to get aligned, I mean, within your marketing team, as well as within your sales organization or customer facing organization, who are the people that are critical from a planning standpoint to make sure you're aligned around objectives and needs? Yeah, it's a good question. So we I mean, we try to go pretty deep, right? Um, It's not just a handful of executives sitting in a room and and saying, here's what we want to go do. Um, There's a lot of a lot of listening and, you know, that sort of work that goes into the early stages of planning to understand, you know, what's, what are the needs and challenges and, you know, objectives of individual sellers, for example, in different markets across the globe. And then you kind of start to roll that up into the executive conversations, spend a lot of time with our SVP of sales, spend a lot of time with our CFO and other folks, uh, you know, at that level to make sure that we're, we are thinking more broadly across the organization on how to allocate resources. And is that something that you tend to do mostly at the beginning of the year as we're sitting here today thinking about 2019? Is that something that happens on a regular basis? What have you learned in terms of the cadence of uh, not just planning, but also sort of objective level setting with with those around you? I think it's a combination of both the formal, you know, start your planning budgeting process, call it, you know, August, September for the upcoming year. But just as important, those conversations that are happening on a monthly and quarterly basis to make sure that you're 
uh, you know, you're hitting the objectives that you need to hit throughout the year and um, using that as all as another input for how you think about planning the upcoming year. So in my mind, it's an ongoing process. And then you do still have that, what everybody would consider the formal process that starts kind of in the fall. Talking today on Sales Pipeline Radio with TJ Waldorf. He's the Vice President of Global Marketing for INAP. And I think what's unique about your position, TJ, is that you have spent quite a bit of your career on the sales side. You've had sales operations management roles. You've been a Vice President of Inside Sales. Uh, How does that sales background impact your planning from a marketing perspective? You know, B2B marketing leaders that are maybe listening to this podcast that haven't had that sales experience, what should they be thinking about from a sales perspective to make planning go better? I come at it from a bit of a unique view, I think, uh, at least at least in my mind, I do. When you're selling and when you're in a sales role uh, or leading a sales team, you have a number, right? You've got to hit a revenue objective, a bookings objective, and that's that's how you're measured. And I think taking that mentality into a marketing organization has um, has probably put us at an advantage. You know, my marketing team has been great at kind of adopting that frame of mind and seeing the things that we do through the lens of the sales team, the activities, the, the events that we're running, the campaigns that we're running. It's all about helping the sales reps close more business. While we look at and measure things like traffic to the website and leads and you know, all the, what you would probably consider traditional marketing metrics. At the end of the day, if the sales team isn't hitting their bookings number and you're not filling the pipeline to help them do so, everything else doesn't necessarily matter. So I think that's the unique thing. And for marketers that hadn't been in sales, as much as you can do to spend time with the sales team, the sales leaders, and really get close to what they're trying to achieve, um, a, you're gonna you're gonna be uh, you're gonna make some friends because they're 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 wanting to hear that. Um, but I think that you're going to um, just better align yourself with the overall organization's objectives. So I want to go a little further on that topic because I think it's important. You know, you mentioned spending time with sales and sort of learn not just learning what they're focused on, but sort of making sure you're really intimately familiar with how they work. What what are things you recommend people that sort of maybe nodding their heads and say, sure, yeah, that makes sense. What exactly should they be doing? I mean, should they literally be going on sales calls? Do you listen in on uh, on phone calls? Like, what are, what are some things that maybe your team has done or that you've seen work successfully? Not just to learn, I guess, what the sales team is doing, but also sort of build more empathy for the role. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it's a, it's a it's a great question. So, just thinking about my cadence as it relates to you know our sales leadership and customers. We've got a regular meeting every Monday where the sales leadership, marketing leadership are talking about, here's what's going on. Here's what's upcoming. Here are the challenges. Here's what the sales team is seeing in the field. Um, you know, they're looking to us for feedback on how we can help them, you know, accelerate deals and um, get more eyeballs to the things that we're doing. So you've got that going on. Um, we also are invited to the, uh, the weekly forecast calls. So, um, you know, it's the, it's the SVP of sales that's leading the calls. He's got all the, the regional sales directors on and uh, they're talking through pipeline. They're talking through best case and commits and, uh, you know, what it's going to take to close that business. I think that's a really, really valuable call to be on for our team because you hear exactly what's going on and you get to ask questions. Um, it's not just them kind of running through everything and then you end the call. Anybody that's on that call is, is uh, you know, expected to ask questions, to raise, you know, raise thoughts and ideas. Um, and that's really why it's done. So you get that broader team involved 
in uh, in selling. So even though the marketing team isn't out there, you know, directly closing business, um, we try to stay as close close to that as possible. And then the last thing I'd say is, you know, if you have the opportunity, um, get out and meet with customers. Uh, go on sales calls. Um, you know, we've got a uh, an, an executive sponsorship um, program where. You know, I'm an executive sponsor for some of our customers, and that keeps me really close to the conversation, too. So I think there, there's, you know, I'm not saying that the way that I do it is the exact way that you have to do it or even the right way. But um, those have been some some helpful activities and, and that sort of cadence, um, you know, keeps me keeps me honest to the things that we need to do to support sales. I love that. And I think your background in sales certainly helps with that. But I think it's a really good advice um, beyond just, you know, the quote unquote, listen to calls and and put your sales reps in a room and ask them what their problems are. I think those are some other good advice, good pieces of advice and tactical recommendations in, you know, related to still coordinating between sales and marketing. Where do you find some of the primary sources of conflict or disagreement when it comes to planning? And what have you done or what have you seen work to overcome that? Uh, you know, I think that some of the disagreements come into, you know, I'll use events as an example, right? Um, from, a, from a marketing perspective, we're very focused on uh, ROI, right? What are, what are the, what are the different uh, marketing channels where we're spending dollars and where can we get the best bang for a buck? And sometimes, you know, sales reps might want to attend a certain event in their region and maybe it's something that we haven't necessarily seen the greatest ROI within the past, or maybe we're not terribly familiar with uh, what to expect and, and can't really build great assumptions around what that ROI will be. So, you know, I, that, that's just one area. But I think that the way you, um, you know, you overcome it is you just, you, you have a conversation. Um, you, you talk through, you know, what's the rep's experience been or what's the sales director's experience been with that particular event. Maybe they, they attended it at the last company they were at and, um, they can give us at least some anecdotal evidence that, um, you know, it, it should make some sense here, too. So um, it, it really just comes down to having those conversations and not just taking, um, you know, not just kind of staying in your silo and making some of those decisions without really kind of pulling back the curtains. And yeah, last question here before we take a quick break, we got uh, TJ Waldorf here. He's vice president of global marketing at INAP. And thinking about input for those plans, we've talked about coordinating across customer facing teams, especially sales and marketing. At what point in the process is it important to get feedback from both below and above? At what point do you ensure you've got you know planning and party feedback from your team? And at what point do you bring in either your peers on the executive team or your boss, you know, the CEO or COO or whoever you report to? Where's the best places to? to incorporate them and as part of the process? I get the team involved as early as possible. We talked a little bit earlier about starting that process of kind of going deeper into the organization and understanding challenges. And, you know, these are the folks that are going to have to help and that are largely responsible for executing whatever the plan is. So I think that it's important to have that voice and input and, uh, you know, ultimately buy into the plan as early on as possible. And then as it relates to the CEO and the CFO, I think that you know, you're having conversations throughout the year. So you've got a pretty good idea of what's important to them and that you can start to put the framework of the plan together, building the assumptions around what the return is going to be, how you're going to help you know, the rest of the company meet the, the bigger objectives. 
and then just sit down and kind of walk through that and allow them to ask questions and add other ideas maybe that I didn't think about or the team didn't think about that really helps to refine it and make it the best plan possible. Love it. We're going to have to take a quick break and pay some bills. We'll be back with more with TJ Wolder. We've been talking mostly about the planning process, but after the break, we're going to talk about the budgeting process and where the money comes from, when it gets funded, and then best laid plans hit the battlefield. You really start making adjustments uh, fairly quickly. We'll talk about what that means as well. We'll be right back on Sales Pipeline Radio. The way we do business is advancing faster than ever before. Yet amongst the disruptions, there's one pillar that stays standing through it all, the power of a relationship. Relationships are at the core of everything. So how are today's organizations developing, nurturing, and leveraging them to drive success? Download the new research report on the state of relationship marketing and learn how your team can bridge the gaps between relationships and revenue. Download your free report at HeinzMarketing.com. That's H-E-I-N-Z Marketing.com. Thanks so much for joining us. We're excited to have TJ Waldorf here today, the Vice President of Marketing for INAP. we got some great episodes coming up. Our first Sales Pipeline Radio episode of 2019 will feature Scott Ingram. We're going to talk about the lessons from the sales 1%, how they do it and how you can too, whether you're in sales or supporting a sales organization, you're going to want to listen to that. Following Scott, we're very excited to have Tiffany Bova, who's a chief evangelist at Salesforce, to talk about her new book, Growth IQ, what that means and why it's important to your success. And uh, I want to thank again, uh, give a huge shout out to our sponsor here on Sales Pipeline Radio, Mailtag.io. Mailtag is a Chrome browser extension for your Gmail, allows you to track, schedule emails, not just for sales reps. If you're doing any kind of work in business development or you just want to know when the best time is to follow up with people you've emailed based on their engagement with what you sent them. If it's over the holidays, are they checking email over the holidays? When do they start to get engaged again after New Year's? Great tool to use. Check out mailtag.io. If you use the code Heinz in the checkout window, you're going to get a pretty significant discount on their annual subscription. It doesn't cost a lot. It's one of the best deals I've seen for sales and biz dev folks. So check it out, mailtag.io. we got more time here on Sales Platform Radio this episode with TJ Waldorf. He's the Vice President of Marketing for INAP. And we've spent... Part of the beginning of this uh, of this episode, TJ talking about the planning process. It's one thing to put your plans and priorities on a piece of paper and a PowerPoint, and everyone nods and says, "Yep, that's the right thing to do." And then comes the time you have to ask for money to fund it. So, talk about the intersection of planning and budgeting for you, and and what what has worked well to ensure that it's as painless of a process as possible. I mentioned ROI before, and I think one of the things that I've learned over time is that. There are lots of ways to show ROI, right? There's different models, um, various that I've seen at various organizations. And the thing that's important is early on as possible, you understand which flavor of a model, if you will, is the one that's going to make the most sense to the CFO and the CEO. You don't want to be thinking about, you know, whether it's customer acquisition to lifetime value or you know any anything else that doesn't line up to how they're thinking about it because you can do all that work and then show up at the doorstep and be asking for your you know your resource allocation for the year and then it not align with everything else that they're thinking about so i think that that's the most important thing is understanding how at the cfo's level um are we thinking about ROI. And when you're asking for money, I mean, how accurately can you think about and even conceive of what 
your spend's going to be for an entire 12 months. And I think, you know, I feel like 10, 15 years ago, it was, it seemed reasonable to say, well, I know what I'm going to be doing and spending in Q4. For a lot of companies, what you do a year from now is going to be dependent on the success of programs before it. So does that require a more flexible and variable approach to budgeting? And how have you seen, if at all, an approach like that be successful? I think it really does um, require to be, you know, more flexible and agile. And I think that you can go in, you, you can go into a year with your assumptions, whether that's a percent increase from the previous year, or it's based fully bottoms up based on success. So you can go in with that idea. But I think that it really does come back to kind of a almost a quarterly look at what's working, what's not working, should we shift things around, and just making sure that you're constantly in lockstep with the other metrics in the business, because that's where it, it, it's all going to come back, right? And marketing has to be able to prove that the things that they're doing are actually showing a return to the, to the organization. So the more flexible you can be, and I realize that some, you know, some organizations probably say, here's, you know, here's the year, here's exactly what it's going to be, and we file that away and we stay within that for the year. But if you can be flexible and you can work that sort of model with the CFO or the finance team or whoever you're, you're working with, I think that puts you in a better spot because it, you can be more opportunistic throughout the year as opportunities come up that you might want to invest in. Well, and that flexibility goes both ways. I think if you're doing things that aren't working, you're not getting results out of it, you don't want to keep spending on that. But if you find something that's working, you want to be able to, in some cases, double down on that. You want to be able to invest more dollars. And it's not just redistributing money from elsewhere. Sometimes it really does mean making a bigger bet on doing that. Talk a little bit about what the scorecard then looks like from that planning process. Like, how do you to go from saying, okay, here's our plan, here's what we're going to achieve, and then how do you best communicate impact of some of those efforts so you can go get some of that sort of upward, you know, variable uh, budget as the year progresses? It comes in a few forms. So at my team level, my marketing leadership team level, on a weekly basis, we go through a, a deck that has literally basically a scorecard that shows Here's how we're progressing against our lead goal. Here's how we're progressing against our opportunity goal, booking, so on and so forth. So we're looking at that weekly. And then on a quarterly basis, executive leadership teams looking at how we're progressing against the bigger picture throughout the year. And I'd say the more granular that you can be around the different channels that you're spending in so that you can build that narrative going into that quarterly discussion of, hey, we're seeing a lot of success through, you know, I'll point to events again, or a lot of success through our paid media channels, maybe we should think about investing a little bit more heavily as we progress into the second half of the year. That's a conversation to work through. And I think that if the return metrics make a lot of sense to everybody, it's very likely to your point that rather than shifting around, you're going to invest more heavily in that thing that's working really well. So, but it's my job and you know my marketing team's job to make sure that we can clearly articulate what those channels are, how they're performing, what the investment is and then make the ask. Just got a few more minutes here with TJ Waldorf, the Vice President of Global Marketing and INAP. And you know, really appreciate you taking the time today. I mean, love your perspective on planning and budgeting, especially you know, given your experience on both the sales and the marketing leadership side. But you also have experience in something that I think a lot of modern marketers aren't even really aware of. I mean, you're a, you're a Six Sigma green belt from back in the day. Can you explain to the young people listening what Six Sigma is and why actually the the concepts are still relevant in today's marketing world? You know, in in my current role, I think the way that that translates is really continuous improvement, Mm -hmm. constantly looking at 
how we're doing against our objectives and constantly going back and figuring out how do we squeeze a little bit more out of those channels. That's kind of how I would sum it up. And there's lots of other terminology and things that you can get lost in, but from a sales and marketing perspective, it's being really cognizant about the processes and the various activities and the things that are going on inside your teams on a constant basis. So that rather than looking at, you know, maybe from a top down view, you can really understand the different levers that you have in each role and in each um, in, in each channel. Continuous improvement, but also a little bit of just process improvement along the way, becoming more efficient is how you do that. And I don't think that that's something we always spend a lot of time as marketers thinking about is not just the results we're generating, but if you find those repeatable, sustainable sort of, you know, sort of ongoing efforts, how do you make that process better? Can you talk a little bit about the process improvement along the way as well? Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's it's, it's almost like, uh, I know this, this term's probably played out a little bit, but it's the playbook, right? Something that you can refer back to, you know how it works, kind of the, the inner workings of a process or a play, and you can make the tweaks along the way to continually improve it. Last question where we wrap up here with TJ, you know, we ask a lot of people, you've, you know, your career has spanned a lot of interesting companies and of our diverse set of roles. Who are a couple people that have really been influential to you along the way? They can be former managers, mentors, they can be authors, people alive or dead. Uh, who are some people you might recommend others seek out, read about, read from, learn from uh, that have helped you along the way? Yeah. So I'm a big Peter Drucker fan as far as, uh, you know, authors, management gurus, you know, Andy Grove is another one that, w- that would fit in that category. I've got something that I always encourage my peers and, and folks younger than me or even older is that if you can find a mentor, it doesn't matter who it is. They can be older, they can be younger. It can be somebody that you only talk to phone or through email, but somebody that you have, that you can really rely on to bounce ideas off, to ask, you know, to give you the, the tough criticism on the things that you're doing so that, you know, you're getting that honest feedback and that you're constantly improving. I think that's key. I really do. I mean, I've got a number of folks that would fit in my board of directors on how I I love it. Well, we're out of time. Unfortunately, these uh, episodes really go very quickly, but I really want to thank our guest, TJ Waldorf, for joining us today. If you like what you heard and like to share some of his advice with your team, if you're in the planning and or budgeting process and want others uh, to understand a a winning, a proven, successful perspective, definitely get a copy of this episode. It'll be available on demand at salespipelineradio.com shortly. Uh, We'll have a summary of some of TJ's comments up on the website at heinzmarketing.com shortly as well. For my great producer, Paul, this is Matt Hines. Thanks, everyone, for joining us on another great episode of Sales Pipeline Radio. You've been listening to another episode of Sales Pipeline Radio brought to you by the good folks at Matt Hines Marketing right here on the Funnel Radio channel.